0: Thank you, Dave. The wonder of Christmas is that God himself invaded our world when that baby was born in Bethlehem. I invite you to open your Bible with me this morning to the Gospel of John and the first chapter, where we're going to study once more John's inspired perspective of what happened when the Son of God came into the world. I'm going to pick up the reading in verse 4 of John 1 where it says, In Him, that is, in the Word that He has just described for us in the first three verses, in Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it, or perhaps better, the the darkness has not overtaken it. down to verse 9, where it says, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Father, I pray this morning as we explore this theme of the light of the world, who is our Lord Jesus, your Son, that our hearts will be illuminated and that being illuminated by His grace, His love, our lights may then shine to others, that we may reflect His grace, His love to the dark world around us. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Unlike some relatives, our Heavenly Father knows what we need for Christmas. John explores that idea here in the very first chapter, the seed plot, really, of the whole gospel, for he lays before us words and ideas in the first 18 verses that he then unwraps through the rest of the gospel of John. He tells us that we are ignorant of God, and so we need the truth. He tells us that God sent the truth in the person of the Word, His Son. John explains that we are guilty, what we need is forgiveness, and therefore God sent the Lamb to remove our sins. We are spiritually dead, what we need is spiritual life, and so we, we receive that spiritual life when we receive God's Son. And then what I want to talk about this morning is the fact that we are blind, spiritually blind. We need light that we might see. And God has given us that light. Blindness is the lack of vision. That can be caused from the absence of light, whether one lacks the physical facility to receive that light because of malformation or disease, or there is lack of sufficient light where one is situated, such as in a room or a cave where there is no light. In either case, one is incapable of seeing because of the absence of light. The Bible says, There is no fear of God before the eyes of the wicked. For in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. The psalmist is saying there that the wicked is smug, He's proud, he feels no accountability to anyone except himself. And so he is blind to his own sin. But God desires to save the wicked from his own ignorance, his self-imposed blindness. And so he sends the Word, John tells us, who is the light. In verse 4 we see that in him the Word was life life. That life was lived out. It was, to use uh, Dave's word earlier, incarnated. That life became one of us. Jesus himself said in John 5 verse 26, which is a very key verse in the Gospel of John, as the Father has life in himself. So he has granted the Son to have life in himself. What Jesus is saying here is that he and the Father share the same life. That life is not like the life you and I have. The life of God is a self-existent life. It needs nothing beside itself to sustain itself. The Father and the Son have self-existent life. And because of that, God is the source of all life. He is the Creator. He is the Word, as John explains here, by whom all things were made. The life that you and I have is a life that is derived from God. He is the source of our life. He himself, however, is the life. Now, this word life that John introduces here is a favorite of his in this gospel. In fact, he uses it some 36 times more than any other writer in the New Testament. He records Jesus as saying, I am the bread of what? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the right. Of his sheep, Jesus said, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And speaking to the Samaritan woman, he offered her water that springs up, or literally he says, that gushes to eternal life. That life was lived out in this world the self-existent life of God. It was lived out in the words, in the character, and the deeds of Jesus. He brought life to our world, and in living that life, John goes on to say, he brought us light, another key word in his gospel. John contrasts light and darkness as he writes these words and also in the epistles that he writes. Through his works, his words, Jesus brought light to our world, our dark world. Jesus brings light to our world so that you and I can see. Now, I'd like for us to explore that idea in the context of what John writes here in this chapter. What our world exhibits is darkness. That's the world we live in, darkness. The light shines, he says, in the what? The darkness. This is the first time that he uses the word darkness in his gospel in a sharp contrast here to the light, as you can see. What is this darkness he talks about? The light, that is, the life that Jesus lived which brought light, that light shines in the darkness. The darkness that he's talking about is not physical darkness. It is moral and spiritual darkness. It is the absence of the life of God in our world that creates the twistedness of humanity, the deformity or the evil that is called the darkness of our world. If you take God out of a culture, darkness is the result. You take God out of a home, out of a marriage, darkness is the result. A mind or a soul without God is a dark soul. Why is that? Because the Bible says that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Where God is, there is light. Where he is absent there is darkness. Now, while people in our world are capable of much good, and we see that very often in the generosity of people, in the charity of people, nonetheless, there is an evil principle that is at work within the heart of every man. That is, behind the goodness, which, by the way, is a residue of the image of God in us, behind the the relative goodness of human beings, there is an inner core of evil. That is why our world is so dark. The Bible says this is the verdict, that is, this is the conclusion. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were what? Evil, as it says on the screen. Everyone, he says, who does evil hates the light and will not come to the light for fear that his evil deeds will be exposed. You and I live in a world that is dark. Why is there such violence and greed in our world? Why is there racism and oppression? It is because of the darkness that exists in our world due to the evil that is in the heart of human beings. Missionary Bruce Sider wrote this week about Spain. He tells us in his letter that only one in 1,000 Spaniards is a believer. That is fewer by percentage than believers in Japan notorious for being one of the most difficult places in the world for missionaries. He tells us that in Spain, a church of a hundred people would be considered a megachurch. Think of that. He says that in the nation of Spain, there are 7,000 cities and villages that have absolutely no biblical witness. It is a dark nation. He goes on to say, the country continues to live in the brilliant light of El Sol, that is the sun, it's a sunny nation, while being in one of the deepest dark nights of the soul on earth. That's Spain. You and I think of countries where communism has prevailed in the last half a century as being dark. Consider the fact that in China, in China, still a communist government, it is estimated that 10% of the people are Christians. Compare that to Spain where there's one in the thousand. I wonder how many there are here in the Bay Area. I would suggest to you that there are fewer percentage-wise in the Bay Area than in China who are followers of Jesus Christ. You and I live in a morally and spiritually dark area. And so we ask ourselves, why are there wars? Why are there injustices? Why do the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? Why do women and children become the victims of violence? Why is it that liars and and greedy people and the arrogant seem to succeed and even gain political power in our world. We could go on and talk about many more of the realities that you and I face every day and we hear about on the news and we see in the world around us. Where does this come from? It comes from the darkness of our world. That's the reality of our world. The innate moral darkness that is in the human being is enforced too. By environmentally, by the dark powers that are at work in the spiritual order. There are fallen beings in the angelic order that are called demons. The Bible speaks about the powers of this dark world. It's not talking about the political powers there in that context of Ephesians 6. It's talking about the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, that is in the invisible realms. The angelic realms. You see, there is a… we live in a dark world. It is dark because of the absence of God's light in people. Though people are relatively good, there is a moral evil that every man must deal with. And in in addition to that, there is this governing principle in the system of the world, that is satanic, which the Bible calls the powers of this dark world. There is this supernatural influence upon the darkness of humanity that deepens the night and exerts influence to enslave people to corruption and to wickedness. Satan is at work in our world. As it says in the book of Job, he roams through the earth, going back and forth in it in order to organize and enforce darkness upon human beings. He is the Darth Vader figure of the dark empire of demonic powers. All of the evil in our dark world can be traced to the condition of the human heart apart from God. That is coupled with the influence of satanic principles that He is enforcing through evil spirits. Our world exhibits the darkness of being in rebellion against God. Now, what does John say? The light shines in the darkness. and That brings me to my next point is what the world has experienced, and that is illumination. Because John does say that in this darkness the light shines. He goes on to say in verse 6, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And so he introduces to us John the baptizer who was the announcer and the forerunner of the light as prophesied by Isaiah the prophet. But he makes it clear that John was not the light. He was the witness to the light. He says the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. That light is Jesus himself. Now John introduces this theme here, but then he quotes Jesus in the 8th chapter and the 12th verse is saying, I am the what? The light of the world. He says, this is Jesus, the one who follows Me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now understand that's more than just a figure of speech. He is literally incarnated light the brilliance of God's person, which no one can look at, the brilliance, the glory of who God is, dwelled in the body and the person of Jesus. He said, I am the light of the world. It's a truth. A number of years ago, I met a a young lady who at the time I knew her was the mother of several small children. She and her husband had lived a rough life, though, before their family came. They had both been involved in drugs and other kinds of substance abuse. She recounted to me a story when after years of of drug abuse, she was completely depressed, Darkness had come into her soul, and by the way, the use of substances like that, of of drug abuse, opens the, the soul up to satanic influence. Did you know that? She said that she had gotten to a point where her world was just small and dark, and she sat down in a room and wanted to die. She could hear voices telling her to kill herself and end it all. In addition to the voices that she heard, she could hear, as it were, like dogs that were barking at her in her ears. There was this sound, there was this noise that was driving her crazy. But somewhere in her past, she had heard about Jesus. Years before this, but had rejected the message. God gave her grace in that moment to cry out to Jesus. And as she was overwhelmed by this darkness and the noise and the the voices telling her to kill herself, she simply cried out, Jesus, help me. And she said at that moment, there was light that flashed into the room like lightning flash. And the darkness was immediately dispelled and all the voices were silenced. And the light filled her heart and she, at that moment, had hope that she could find forgiveness and life and came to faith in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he means that literally. At his birth, brilliant light came into this dark world It was like the sun rising after a very black night. Isaiah writes about this in the 8th and ninth chapters of his book. In the 8th chapter, he warns that the Assyrian army is going to invade the country of his people. Isaiah warns that they're going to come into the, the north part of the country that we call Galilee, and they called Galilee and would surround Jerusalem, although it would not take the southern kingdom of Judah. Eventually, Assyria would take away captive the people of the northern kingdom called Israel. And he says that they would be thrust into utter gloom. Nevertheless, Isaiah says, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, God humbled the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. That's that same area up there called the Jezreel Valley, the area of Galilee. He says God humbled that area, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, of deepest darkness, literally it says, a light has dawned. And then in verse 9, excuse me, verse 6, he goes on to say, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And he gives that marvelous messianic prophecy. What is Isaiah saying? He's saying that in the darkness of this world, and specifically there, the darkness of Galilee, the light would come. Where did Jesus have his ministry? Where were his headquarters? In Galilee, Capernaum, along the Jordan River. He was born in Nazareth, which is in the hill right beside the Jezreel Valley, the land of Zebulun, Naphtali, Galilee. That's where the light came. The world has been illumined. Jesus demonstrated the power of the light that he had in himself by restoring the sight of a man. After saying in chapter 8 of John, I am the light of the world, in chapter 9, Jesus encounters a man who was born blind. He'd been blind from birth. And Jesus instructs him to go and to wash the clay that he had put in his eyes out at the pool of Siloam. And the man did that. And he could see for the first time in his life. And the Jewish leaders were very upset about this. Do you know why? Because he did this on Saturday. He did it on the Sabbath. They called the man in. they, They questioned him. They examined him. Who is this that healed you on the Sabbath? They were concerned that he could see, having been blind from birth. Who healed you, they said. They questioned him a second time. They said, this man who did this to you is a sinner. He said, you know, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But this I know. Once I was blind, but now I can see. He said, I've got light now that I didn't have before. You see, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he fulfilled that. And by the way... That he would bring light to the blind is a part of the prophecy of the Old Testament. Isaiah 29, 18 says that in that day, that is the time of Jesus, out of gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. It goes on to say in Isaiah 35, then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. These are messianic days. Of the Messiah, God says in Isaiah 42, "I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will hold you, hold, uh, take hold of your hand, rather. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free the captives from prison." So when Jesus healed the blind man, he was making the statement that he is the Messiah. He is the one who was sent by God into the world to illuminate. And I love the way John puts this. The light shines in the darkness. Not that it once shone, it shines now. And it's still shining today, shining through his people. For although Jesus is in heaven, he shines through you and me who are followers of his. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, for you, talking to us now, he says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's how we're to live. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. Light has a lot of purposes, but among them it is to make things visible. When you and I live for Jesus in this darkened world, his light shines through us. How does the world respond? The same way that it responded to Jesus, by rejection. And that's the third blank in your notes. The world responds by rejection. We had a beautiful solo that said, welcome to our world. And we say that with all of our hearts, but that is not what the world says. The world didn't say it 2,000 years ago, and it doesn't say it today. John says the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, His own did not receive him. As we read in John chapter five, everyone, John chapter three, Everyone who does evil hates the light. You see, darkness does not want to be exposed. It resists the light. It hates the light. It rejects the light. Whatever makes its character evident is not welcome. That's why all of us, when we sin, have the first inclination to hide or to cover up our sin. John chapter 9 and verse 39 says, Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who will see, who see rather, will become blind. What is Jesus saying in those cryptic words? He says, well, I came so the blind will see. He healed a blind man, that very chapter, but it also means that those who are spiritually blind may have their eyes opened to the truth, but those who think they see, the self-righteous and proud religious leaders of his day, and those who in our day think that they're they're just fine the way they are and don't need God, he says that they will become blind blind. There is a rejection and a judgment that comes because of that rejection. And not only is there darkness in the human heart that rejects the light, but we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they cannot see the light of the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. In other words, The human heart is dark and blind to the light of God. But that innate darkness that is in us because we have turned from God is reinforced by a supernatural darkness and blindness that Satan puts around us because he does not want us to see. How then... Can anyone see? That brings me to my last point. How our world escapes the darkness, the blindness. It is by a miracle. A miracle. That's the only way. You and I are not in ourselves going to be able to escape the darkness and the blindness That we ever see light, that we ever come to the place of being delivered from darkness is an absolute miracle of God. John says, all who received Him, to them, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. He goes on to say, those who are born of God not by human effort, by human works, but those who are born of God. And Jesus picks up on this in the third chapter when he says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, who was blind at that point, didn't understand. He said, well, how can I enter into my mother and be born again a second time? Jesus said, no, 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 Nicodemus. I'm talking about being born of the Spirit. A miracle. Just as much as the miracle of that blind man in John chapter 9 is the miracle of Jesus opening the eyes of one who is blind to see Him as Savior. You and I have a role in this today because Jesus is in heaven. You and I have a role that's very similar to that of the Apostle Paul. It says in his commissioning in Acts 26... Jesus says to Paul, I'm sending you to them, the Gentiles, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they might receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Folks, do you see that? When you look at those words, Though that is specific to Paul, it is your privilege and mine to do the very same thing, to show others the life of Jesus and the light that comes through that life so that their eyes are opened and they can see and they can then turn from the darkness to that light and from the power of Satan to God and be saved. What a privilege that is. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, but he also said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. Well, we've worked our way through what I wanted to share with you from the Gospel of John, but I want to close this morning very briefly with a couple of questions. These are important Christmas questions for someone like you in a place like this, our dark world. Ask yourself, first of all, have I experienced God's miracle? That's what Christmas is all about. Light came so that you and I could experience the miracle of God, which is forgiveness of our sins. Philip Bliss was one of the most prolific songwriters of the last half of the 19th century. His name is not known by most people today, but he and his wife were very well known in their day. He is the one, for example, who composed the music for It Is Well With My Soul, which we sing. The words were written by Spafford, but it was Bliss, his friend, who set the words to the music that we know so well hundred and thirty-one years ago this week, on December 29th, Philip Bliss and his wife Lucy left behind their two toddlers, boarded the train in Rome, Pennsylvania, where they lived, to go to Chicago to be in a meeting with Dwight and Moody. They connected with another train in Buffalo, New York, and the train left the station about 4.15 in the afternoon in a raging blizzard. They made pretty good time, though, about 15 miles an hour, it says. Through the snow, driven by the, the, the winds off of the lake, Lake Erie, they rounded the corner south of Buffalo and moved into Ohio. And just outside of Ashtabula, Ohio, they crossed a trestle. The trestle had been replaced just a few years before this with iron. It had been wood for many, many years, but a new strong iron trestle was built. And the train was passing over the top of this trestle. Two engines now pulling the train through the snow. The first engine made it safely off the bridge, but just as it got onto the solid ground on the other side, there was a snap and a roar and a violent twisting of the rest of the train, and a sickening turning as the cars plunged down 75 feet into the ravine below, into the icy river. And there, some people were able to escape the cars that were badly twisted and crushed. Some had been impaled on iron, Others were trapped under the the, the weight of the cars. And because, of course, there were stoves and lamps in the train, immediately fire broke out. Philip Bliss was able to get out one of the windows, but he realized his wife was not with him. He went back to the burning train and found that she was trapped inside. And so he climbed back inside the train. And there, seeking to free her, the two of them went into the presence of the Lord. And with a a hundred other people, they died in that terrible tragedy. A few days later, there was a memorial service held in Chicago, at which Dwight Moody was the officiant. 8,000 people filled the hall, 4,000 stood outside in the January cold. Now, I mention Philip Bliss because it was he who took the words of Jesus in John chapter 9 and put them to music. A few years before this, he had heard a preacher preach from John chapter 9, and he wrote that song that some of us remember. The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. If you know it, sing it with me. The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. Like sunshine at noonday, his glory shone in. The light of the world is Jesus. Come to the light. Tis shining for Thee. Sweetly the light has dawned upon me. Once I was blind, but now I can see. The light of the world is Jesus. Years later, there was a missionary in Calcutta. And he was there during an eclipse, and he looked out upon the masses of the lost pagan people of India, who in this eclipse were terrified, and they were going down to the river and baptizing themselves, and in the total darkness of their religion. And as he was watching all of this from somewhere, he heard the strains of a small group of Christians singing... The light of the world is Jesus. My friend, is he the light in your life today? Have you experienced the Christmas miracle of having your eyes opened? But there's a second question I want to ask as I close, and that is, what am I doing to extend his light into the world? Philip Bliss wrote another hymn one time, it was a hymn that was based upon a message he heard Dwight Moody give. Moody was appealing for people to come to faith in Christ, and he told about a, a story, a, a true story, outside of Cleveland, Ohio, again on, on Lake Erie, not too far from where Bliss would eventually die. There was a ship, a passenger ship, that was fully loaded coming into the Cleveland harbor, and a pilot had gotten on board the ship to guide the ship safely into harbor. And the captain of the ship said, are you sure we're Cleveland where we need to be? I don't see the lights. Because you see, there were lower lights. There was a lighthouse, but then there were lower lights that had to be lined up in a certain way to get the ship into the harbor. And the pilot said, no, the, the lower lights are not burning, they're out. And he'd steered the ship, but he missed the harbor. And the result was the ship went into the rocks and many, many people lost their lives that night. And Moody's point was, believers, you and I are those lower lights. Our Father has a lighthouse in Jesus, but you and I are the lower lights that that must be on to guide people. And so Bliss picked up that theme. The next night he came back to the service and he sang for them for the very first time, brightly beams our Father's mercy from his lighthouse evermore, but to us he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. Let the lower lights be burning. Send a gleam across the wave. For to us he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. Is your light burning for others to see? To guide them into the only harbor there is for the soul? Let's use it this Christmas time to do that. The friends, family that we're gathered with. Let's let the lower lights be burning in our lives and extend the light of Jesus into the dark world around us. Let's pray together. Father, we've been reminded even this very week how brief life is and how important it is that you and I, that we, your people, work together with you bringing light into the world. And I pray, Father, that as we meet with family and we see friends over this holiday season, that we will be the life of Jesus bringing light to them. But I also pray, Father, for some friend who's here that may not have that light at all and be lost in darkness yet. Oh, Father, I pray that right now, even in the simplest of prayers, they would cry out, Jesus, help me. And the, you would send the light flooding into their souls and lead them out of that darkness into your marvelous light and away from Satan into your power, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear Son. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.